Welcome back to the On the Brink podcast. I have a very special guest from Ireland actually today. Her name is Lucy Norris and she is a multimedia journalist in Ireland. And we were able, we, I've never met Lucy in real life, but due to COVID-19 and this whole pandemic, I, when I started my podcast, I went onto the Buzzsprout community, which is the platform that my podcast is on. And I ended up joining this community on Facebook and meeting Lucy because I I posted something about needing a guest for my podcast before I had um, really anything lined up. I met Lucy and a few months ago we had a Zoom call and chatted about our lives and it was really clear to me that I should definitely have Lucy on my podcast. As a fellow podcaster, she really understands what goes into a podcast and she is 23 years old and has such an interesting life story and had a little bit of a career change and she'll definitely go into that but thanks lucy for for being uh for being on my podcast this week no problem thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it and yeah as you said it was crazy how you know just a few months ago we were we were connecting in a Facebook group, and now we're here. So it's, you know, power of the internet, I guess, which is really cool. So Lucy, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about what you do and maybe your background? Yeah, sure. So um, as you said, I'm a multimedia journalist um, from Ireland, and I'm 23 now. Um, I study journalism in the UK, um, in Kent, for three years I was there. Um, and yeah, I learned everything from broadcast journalism to print. Um, I've ended up working in digital marketing um, since graduating for a little bit. And um, on top of that, I am a podcast host as well. So I have a podcast called What It's Like with Luce, um, where I interview ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I have to say that for anyone listening, if you are a fan of my podcast, you should definitely listen to Lucy's. She is much more professional than I am. And (laughs) being a journalist, I'm sure helps uh, to know, you know, the right questions to ask and what to say. But Lucy's, honestly, the podcast is, is amazing. And I highly recommend she's, you can find her on all the platforms, right? Spotify, Apple Music. Oh, yeah. All of them. Um, And again, it's called Mm -hmm. What It's Like with Luce. And yeah, so I highly recommend that. Thank you so much. That's so kind of you to say. (laughs) Of course. I mean, we have to support other podcasters doing this. And it's it's really hard to to get out there and to get listeners and followers. So so I I am all in to to help a fellow podcaster. Yeah, no, literally, it's so true. I was talking to someone earlier today, I was recording an interview and she's a writer and, and a speaker. And she said, the biggest compliment you can pay a creative is to leave a review, follow, subscribe, whatever it might be um, to help them out. Because, you know, it's all well and good. And it's so nice to hear um, people come up to you and tell you, you know, oh, I really like what you're doing. But it doesn't, it helps your ego and it helps your confidence, but it doesn't actually support the work that people are doing so 
um, yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting point that she she left there that, you know, if you do really want to support your your favorite creatives, then interact with their work. Um, so yeah, 100% like podcasters supporting podcasters all the way. I think it's so great. <laughs> Especially for you, like you as a journalist, I mean, this is such a great way for you, probably, I assume, uh, I don't mean to speak for you, but to find a way during the pandemic to continue what you love. Yeah, 100%. So half of why I started um, the podcast was because I had been, well, I was in my job, um, my digital marketing job in um, a travel company back in Dublin. But before that, I'd been traveling for a bit um, in the US and Canada. And then, as I said, I uh, went to university not in, in Dublin. So in the media industry, it's pretty ideal to either go to a really big city where there's a ton of opportunity or if you do want to work in your hometown you should probably study there and do a lot of your experience there so that you have the that little connection base you know and that way in um and so I didn't have that uh and I was spending a lot of time trying to connect with people you know coffees LinkedIn all of that but it just it wasn't I guess maybe happening as quickly as I wanted it to um, I'm pretty impatient, but, uh, you know, I was just eager to start working again on creative stuff that I really loved. Um, and so I came across podcasting because of my daily commute. Um, I was commuting like four hours a day to my job and, uh, I was getting really sick of listening to the same music all the time. Um, so I started listening to podcasts and then through that, I realized what a powerful platform you have, you know, um, as we were speaking earlier, you know, about the, the ins and outs of it and the technical stuff. But really, in essence, you only need a phone if you want to do a podcast. You can literally record on Anchor FM or, or whatever you choose to host your podcast on. Um, but yeah, like there's nothing too deep in it. And then it's a way of exercising journalistic skills that, you know, for people that aren't journalists, never even knew they had. Um, and telling stories and reaching an audience completely by yourself, you know, creating that opportunity when there wasn't one or you can't find the door. So yeah, like that's, it's been an amazing platform for me to practice what I learned, keep everything going. Um, and yeah, just chat to people really in the industry or in the world and, and keep my brain active during the pandemic as well. Cause I think that's so important. It'd be so easy to just lie on the, the couch and watch Netflix which I also have done a lot of, <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, like, but I'm sure you found as well. It's, it's, it's quite a stimulating way to spend an hour or two a day um, interviewing people or editing or whatever. It's been, it's been fun. So I've been enjoying it. Awesome. Uh, I have a question about how you get your guests and like, where do you find them from? And cause I, I'm always really impressed and excited to find your episode every week because I'm like oh who is she gonna have on this week like there was a, a woman uh or some people in like the music industry that you interviewed and that was so cool and I'm always excited to find out who you have on for whatever week and you've been releasing two episodes a week now yeah yeah so um so going first to the two episodes a week thing just I'll just explain quickly why that happened um as I was speaking to you before in the, the climate of the pandemic, um, I'd left my, my digital marketing job, like my nine to five. Um, and I was studying for law exams, which is like a whole other story. But, um, and then I was just freelancing copywriting. So um, 
I ended up with quite a lot of time on my hands. Um, and because of the pandemic as well, then touching on the guest thing, a lot more people wanted to, to be involved. Or when I reached out to people, they said yes, when I initially expected them to say no. Um, and so I really wanted to utilize the time to get everyone when they were at home, you know, cause I have a little bit of a fear, like when everyone goes back to work, it'll be so difficult to get people to, to talk. Um, which fingers crossed it won't, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I just didn't want to waste the opportunity of having everyone at home. So then I was doing all these interviews and I had time to do the edits that I was just thinking, okay, why not release two? You know, I know that I can maintain a steady stream of two for at least another four months. So I may as well do it, you know? Um, and then in terms of guests, so how do I, how do I find my guests and like, who do I choose? I want to reach out to. Um, I started in the beginning. I wanted, so this is before uh, COVID. Um, I, I obviously wanted to interview people face to face. And so I, I just started literally sat down and thought, you know, what are my favorite brands in Dublin? Like, where do I go all the time? Um, who do I watch or what do I read? You know, like what, what's, what are things that I do all the time and who built them or who's behind them? Um, and so that's what I did. I just found out, you know, who founded my favorite cafes, who wrote my favorite books, who like made my favorite donuts or whatever. Um, and I just reached out to them. So social media and the world of online is an amazing tool that people need to use more. Um, because it's that situation of if you don't ask, you don't get as well. Um, so I literally just asked them, I cold emailed, I DM them, you know, and, uh, I got really good responses and I was really lucky in that. And I, I am, um, so grateful and thankful to the people that I have spoken to already for um, being given that opportunity to, to share their story and for them to give me the content, you know? Um, so yeah, it's really, it really just has reinforced the fact to me, like I already had to practice doing this in my course, um, just reaching out to people and asking them if they wanted to talk because for our assignments and stuff, we would have to do that in the local area. Um, and so I guess I got a lot of my research skills from that too. But yeah, if you have someone that you are interested in talking to or, or you know, you watch online and you think, oh, I'd really want to know what the story was behind this, get their email. A lot of times on Instagram, the email is there already. And just send them an email telling them what you want to do and if they'd be interested. And you'd be so surprised at the response that you get. That's amazing. I love that. I mean, I did that for one of my guests, Ethan. Um, you know, I kind of just reached out on a whim and, and he agreed to be on my podcast. It was surprising. But yeah, I think the more that you you just go for it, you put yourself out there, the more yeses you're going to get back. I think sometimes we're afraid of rejection, maybe when we, you know, put ourselves out there just in, yeah. in life, but, but with podcasting too, obviously. But I think more people are willing to talk. I mean, people love talking about themselves. I think that's a, a general thing that I have discovered. Yeah, that's so true as well. And like, um, you know, also I think in this climate too, like people are getting a little bit lonely. Yeah. And podcasting is a conversation. That's why it's different to radio. And that's why it attracts a different audience to just random 
you know, radio stations in your car because you're listening to two people like we are now just sitting across from each other, having a conversation about different topics we're interested in in the world. Um, and why would you not want to be part of that? You know, if you like what the person's doing, you can have a little stalk of them to make sure they're legit and stuff. But um, most of the time, you know, people will get, take that chance with you and, and they're curious too. So they want to chat to you to see what you're doing and, and why you wanted to talk to them as well. Because I've also had some of them say to me, you know, why, why do you want to speak to me? Like, what have I done? And I'm sitting there going, oh, you're so amazing. You founded this amazing business and all of this stuff. And they're like, really? you want to know my story? Why? You know, people are really flattered that you reach out to them and want to want to speak to them. So yeah, I, I agree with you in, in just going with it. Like, why not? You know, what's going to, what's the risk going to happen? They'll say no. Might be a little bit of a bruise with ego or a bit embarrassing, whatever, but in an hour you'll be over it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then you'll find someone else and it'll be a better fit anyway, probably. So yeah, everything kind of happens the way it's supposed to. That's my little motto, my mantra, but um Going off of something that you said earlier about social media and just the importance of it, I'm curious, like as a journalist, how you feel about social media. And I know it's a, it's definitely a positive thing, but to me, it also has a lot of negatives. So I'm curious your take on like the influence of social media, especially now, like being in your twenties. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting um, question. Um. It's a difficult one from a journalistic point of view because, so personally, I love social media. I think it's a, an incredible platform. And I think even just the idea of an influencer being able to build a whole new life for themselves, whether you agree with it or not, is a different story. But you can't take away from the fact that they have started with zero and, you know, built communities of 200k a million people that are interested in what they do because it's all about curating that personal brand Um, and you have to admire them for that you know they decided they wanted a new life and they built it from scratch like when you break it down to that those terms what's different in building a social media um, account to building a business you know it's kind of the same thing and I know there's so many conflicting arguments around it and morals and all that kind of thing but you know at the bare bones of it I don't think it's it's a terrible thing from that sense um there's this thing though with in in journalism so social media has given everyone the power to be journalists in a sense um everyone can go online and give their opinions or report on what they see um you know we call it citizen journalism so it, it, it's, it's a good thing, you know, freedom of speech, all that 100% for that, you know, everyone should be allowed to say what they, they want to say and what they think. But there is an element when it comes to news reporting, you know, you do train in it for a reason. Um, and you do go to school and learn about it and things for a reason. Because when you're dealing with sensitive topics or, or very dense factual issues, because of the power of social media and because of how quickly everything spreads and, and, you know, that aspect of it, if random people, I'm saying random in, in inverted or quotation marks, because, you know, I don't mean it in a negative way, but just start reporting all this stuff online. That's where the, the phenomenon of fake news came from because it's these people that want to, to tell the world something is happening, but they might not 
have the skills or the knowledge or, or have had to put in the extra hours of research. You know, before you report on a story, you research for like, depending on the urgency of the story, two days, three days on one topic so that you can go on, on air or take your pen or whatever and write it knowing confidently that you know everything there is possibly to know about this subject so that you can then inform the public properly. Um, and so when there is this medium of citizen journalism, which is great, you know, as I said, all for people being allowed to share their opinions, you do just have to be careful that you're reporting the right facts because especially with something say like COVID or, or, you know, war or anything like that, those are sensitive emotional issues that will, will cause mass hysteria if they're um, reported wrongly. And that's what social media does. You know, it spreads fake news um, sometimes and people will then react on stuff that they think is, is real and is really happening and then it might not be. So there's a very dangerous side to it. But then at the same time, for me as a young journalist, you know, starting out of my career, social media is my saving grace because I have a platform to share my work. Whereas traditionally I would have had to kick down doors to get jobs at newspapers or, or whatever. And like still want to do that, but it's very difficult to do that. Or, you know, so reporting, I want to report on TV. So getting a job as a broadcast journalist or as a, as a news anchor or a host, it's so difficult with YouTube, with podcasting, with Instagram lives, with whatever, you can create a portfolio for yourself. And if you want to, you can create your own media company. I know like that maybe conflicts on what I said about the citizen journalism thing, but like as a journalist, you know, I do have the training to say, be able to do that. So it's a portfolio waiting for you to fill, which is really nice. Um, and that's why I'll always say it is a very positive thing. But then the other aspect, which, you know, anyone can talk on is obviously the mental health thing that, that um, goes hand in hand with social media and the intense comparison that people are making with just, you know, ridiculously different situations and getting down about their life because like, I think um, going back to the twenties thing and being, I don't know, are we millennials? I think we might be millennials or we're like Gen Z or something. I don't know. <laughs> I get lost in all of that stuff. But um, so like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll be on Instagram and even with, you know, at the moment, like trying to build my podcast and then I'm thinking about like building other, other businesses on the side and I'm looking at influencers say, or like other people in my, in my space, in my like area that I want to work in already, you know, on private jets every weekend, driving cars, buying houses at 22, having everything that you could ever want in life at 21. And it puts this insane pressure being like, why have I not done that yet? Am I never going to have this because I haven't done it yet? It, you know, that comparison between how successful am I in life by the age of 25? I need to be here. I need to be here because you're watching these people. And also like Instagram is a highlight reel. Everyone knows for themselves. I think now everyone, even if you're not an influencer or whatever, like you edit your pictures and stuff. Very few people just bang up the picture that they took on the street, you know? Um, so yeah, it's a complete highlight reel, but it's so easy. Even if you know that you go into the app knowing it's not real don't let it affect you, whatever. It still does. And so, yeah, for, from a professional point of view, you can really utilize social media to make into an active living CV that anyone can access really quickly and instantaneously. But from a personal point of view, 
I see the good and the bad um, very clearly. And yeah, I think it's, it's pretty 50, 50 um, in, in whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, that was extremely insightful. I, I loved everything that you said. And I agree. I think for me, social media can be really dangerous, especially having so much more free time being home and like, yeah, I'm working a little bit, but my phone is right here and I'm on my computer. So it's so accessible. And I think like the news is so much more accessible than it ever has been. And that's been dangerous with the pandemic, especially because like information's coming out all the time and it's not always correct. And, you know, things have been changing every day and it's dangerous to like, you know, determine that one article is what you're going to go off of when you don't even know if that's real or not. And um, so I think it's dangerous in that sense. And then I also agree that like in a personal sense, Instagram is a little bit fake and everyone posts their best pictures. No one ever wants to be real on Instagram because that wouldn't be fun. But I, I have found that it's a little bit cathartic for me sometimes to post something that is a little more raw and vulnerable and not for like the attention of it, but I like to share what I'm going through just so that someone else out there who might be going through something similar can, can relate and maybe, you know, it helps a little bit. Like I, when I, um, a few months ago, well, this is like maybe six months ago now, when, or more than that, I don't know, when I was first starting out, like I had come off of a summer program and I didn't have any jobs lined up and it was like a dark, a dark period of my life. And I wasn't really posting anything on social media at that point, not good or not bad. I wasn't posting. And, and I think, uh, once I got all my jobs lined up, I got new headshots taken. I thought, oh, I should, I should go and post about like, just so my family and friends have an update, like, okay, I have all these jobs and, you know, I have these new headshots or whatever. And I could have just posted something like, oh, announcing all my jobs, but I decided to go on and post kind of a long, real vulnerable post about how it was not easy to get where I was and it took months to feel stable at all. And, and it was a hard, a hard time in my life. And I posted that and it got, and I don't really care about how many likes I get. I'm not really obsessed with, with that. Obviously it's nice to, to get noticed and have likes, but I wasn't doing it for the attention. I just wanted to share my story to other people who are going through similar thing, because I think in your twenties, that's more common than not is to, for it to take a long time to get jobs to be lined up and things like that. So when I posted it, I wasn't really expecting anything, but a lot of people reached out to me and said, thank you for posting this. Um, Like I'm going through something similar and, and it meant a lot to read this and people that I haven't talked to in years or don't even know that well. And so, and other people who are just supportive of it and like, you know, thank you for sharing. Like, I'm glad that you are where you are at now. It's like, that's awesome. And I, I like social media for that. I don't love when people just post something, you know, it's like, oh, I got these jobs. Life is great. And it's like, okay, well, there was a struggle behind that. We all know, yeah. we know there was, and it's fine. It's fine to not talk about it. It, it is. But like, personally, I, I don't mind sharing. So I figure why not? I do feel like over 
the past maybe a few months or even a year, people like influencers, you know, they've got much better at being transparent. Um, I don't know if it's from the point of view where they've realized there is a lucrative element to that, you know, and like an opportunity to rebuild their platform or gain more followers for being real. I don't know if that's at play as well, which it could be. But um, yeah, I think people are just figuring out, you know, that actually it's okay to to say what's really going on and people aren't going to hate you for that or they're not going to unfollow you or they're not going to think that you're less pretty or attractive or whatever just because you can actually go on and be like you know today I really could not be asked to put on makeup to take a picture for 20 minutes you know like and it's like people are actually like yeah you know no me either (laughs) um yeah so I don't know it's it's a really interesting um area and like it's a bit of a circus I think and there's always going to be pros and cons to everything and and I know like what you touched on with the news thing like even just from watching, you know, my family or whatever, like there's definitely been an overhaul of news. It's made people feel very negative about the situation and very scared and confused. I think the reason why that never gets to me personally is because I'm fully aware of the media circus and and the news agendas and how they work. Um, And, you know, like clickbait and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I know what it takes to go into the, into all of the articles. And I know that, you know, if something outrageous is coming out, it's like, it's probably slow news day or, you know, like that, like I'm able to detach from that angle. So I never really felt with the news on social media that it was overwhelming or scary or anything because I just understand the mechanisms behind it from studying it for three years. Um, But I could see like even my mom, you know, the news was becoming overwhelming and it was all consuming and it was all anyone was talking about, you know, and they would be throwing scary things out, big red banners, you know, dying death, world ending, you know, all this kind of stuff. But yeah, it's all, it's all, they're competing. Like I think the thing with news outlets as well as what you have to remember is they're also businesses who are competing with each other for views. So it's kind of the same as being an online personality and, making sure that your dress gets bought over the other 20 girls that are wearing the same dresses, you know, there's only one piece of news, the pandemic. And so all of the news outlets are fighting to be your go-to source for pandemic news. And some choose to do that in a friendly, approachable way. Some choose to do that in a sensational, strong, passionate way that you feel like I'm really, they really look like they know what they're talking about because they've got all the scary facts. Yeah. It just, it just depends on what take they, they go with, but, yeah, I think why it never affects me in terms of social media is because I just uh, I just know what they're doing, I guess. <laughs> you have the inside scoop. Yeah, a little. <laughs> it took me three years, but... <laughs> hey, yeah, that's awesome. But I wanted to touch back on um, another thing. Sorry, I'm kind of going out of order and, like, skipping around a little bit because I'm remembering what I want to talk about. But uh, you actually did not start out in journalism like that was not your original path and I think my listeners will find your path to be a little bit unique uh I mean a lot unique it's um very different because you started out wanting to study musical theater right yeah this is kind of a funny story uh heartbreaking at the time but funny now um (laughs) so I yeah I always wanted to do musical theater um I was always I don't, I don't know where it started, but I was always as a kid, you know, in dancing, 
I did dancing classes briefly, but I'm not going to even attempt to make anyone think that I am a dancer at all because I'm not. Um, but I always loved singing and acting. Um, and that was what I used to spend my weekends doing. And, you know, in school, I was really involved in music and, and things like that. Um, obsessed with, you know, West End, I guess, is the, the American, no, the English equivalent to Broadway in America. Mm. Um, and like, that's where I wanted to be. You know, I was convinced you know this is going to be for me this is what I'm going to do so my parents very kindly indulged in my what you would now call a pipe dream I guess um, and I enrolled to um, you know I did all the summer schools in in the UK uh, and then in my final year of school I was auditioning I applied on UCAS to, to um, the London academies and so I would pretty much every weekend for the first term of sixth year, which is, I don't know what your, I guess your senior year in school. I'm not, I'm not really sure of the equivalent, but oh, um, yeah. Senior high school. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, apply to college. Yeah. 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 So, um, I was traveling back and forth from the UK to audition at these drama schools. Um, and so, you know, you would think musical theater is a pretty even split between the three, right? Like dancing, singing and acting. It's not. It's um, like mostly dance and then throw in a bit of singing and acting on top of it. So I was, you know, underprepared to say the least. Um, it was that kind of a situation of I was very comfortable. It, like So the entertainment industry in Dublin or in Ireland even exists, but it's nothing like the UK, especially in terms of academies and training schools and stuff like that. Like we don't have any third level education um, for me, I think there's one course that you can do for musical theater here, but like, it's nothing crazy, um, compared to the UK. So I thought I was repaired. I was not. Um, and so I would land, me and my mom used to go, I would land there, you know, having all my, I think we were allowed to sing 30 bars of a song. It was like, I don't know, less than a minute of a song that we were allowed to sing, which was like disastrous because that was my strong point. Um, and then a one minute monologue and usually then you would have a four hour dance audition. So, you know, I was, I was taking, I think I took like adult ballet classes before I went. Cause I was like really stressed about this. Like I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, so anyways, you know, I went and I was like, okay, just be confident. It'll be fine. And so I went in and each time, you know, it was always the singer, the acting first, which was fine. Um, got on with that pretty well. Some of the auditions, um, so the audition process is really intense. Um, and some of them you go in and do your, your singing, your acting alone, just with the, the lectures, but some of them you do them in groups. So you have like a group of 20 people and you just have to stand up, do your bit and sit down. Um, which is nerve wracking if you're like at the end or at the start, because then you've got to watch everyone. And the other thing I figured out very quickly was the other people auditioning you know, had grown up. Some of them had been on the West End since they were tiny in like Billy Elliot and Matilda and all this kind of thing. I was like, oh, and they would ask you, you know, what have you done? Like, "Hmm." uh, you know, my school did a lot of plays. (laughs) They were like, oh, okay. Um, (laughs) So it wasn't quite on the same level. Um, And then, yeah, so then the dancing came and I just have never been 
you know, a graceful human. I just, I, I, ballet was never for me. I just could never really grasp the, um, the concept of dancing in general, I guess. You know? <laughs> so they would teach us a routine. We had to learn it on the spot um, and deliver it back to them. Which was, you know, it was kind of okay sometimes if it was like jazz or whatever, I could pick it up and do it. But then came the section of, you know, testing our flexibility and like high kicks and all this. Like I have zero flexibility. I can't even do yoga. Like, so it, it was like, I wish, um, like now me and my mom laugh about it all the time. I wish there was a camera on the wall or something because I probably look like, I don't know, just a massive fish out of water in here, you know, I, like I was struggling not to laugh sometimes in the audition because I was, it was just so ridiculous that I was there. And then they would do the improvisation section and all of these kids would come out. Like there was backflips. There was like stags in the air, you know, full on ballet routines on point shoes. And then I would step into the middle and just be like, I, I wouldn't know what to do. I'd just freeze and they would play the music and I would just do like, I don't know, pirouettes for a little bit and then be like, all right, cool. See you later. Em. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a testing time um, <laughs> for me personally, but you know, I'm so happy that I did it because if I didn't get that out of my system, it would always still be a what if situation because like to be fair you know I'm making myself sound very horrendous and that I shouldn't have even gone in the first place but um singing and acting you know I've, I've been very passionate about that for a long time and like I'm a classically trained singer and, and stuff so it's not that I didn't have any talent you know I did but it just wasn't in the areas that they seem to focus on to get into the schools um, I should have potentially applied to more like conservatoire style places where I could have done classical singing or something like that, like that route um, instead of musical theater. But yeah, it was, it was a very interesting period of my life. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't think I need to tell anyone that I didn't get in. I think you could have guessed by now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, did, I didn't get in. I got rejected. Um, but you know, that's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in life, being rejected from those schools because it really like throughout the process you know I got to like maybe the like fifth school and I I love performing so much um and singing as, as you probably do as well but at the, at the same time I'm not sure I would have fit in in that school environment um you know there was some moments that were very like fame and you know the movie fame and I was a bit like I'm not sure if this lifestyle is going to be for me for three years. Um, very, everyone was so enthusiastic all the time. And, you know, that that's great. But I, I don't really know what I'm getting at. But I just, you know, the, the, the atmosphere, I don't think I could have handled for three years. It's just not me. It's not my personality. Um, so in doing that, I figured that out pretty quickly. And so while I was pretty heartbroken that I wasn't going to be able to do that because as I said I really did want to sing and act um you know that was such a dream of mine and I really enjoyed it I th do think that journalism suits me better um it took me pretty much the whole of first year of college to figure that out and to accept that because I fought against it a lot for a long time you know thinking this isn't what I was supposed to be you know this isn't the way my life was supposed to be going I'm supposed to be in London I'm supposed to be you know, living my dream, but, you know, second year of college, I guess halfway through second year of college, I really did realize I would have been 
terribly unhappy in that situation and it wouldn't have suited me at all. Um, but yeah, I, I think you have to make the mistakes and go through the motions to realize that on the other end. Yeah, no, the rejection sometimes as hard as it is can be such a blessing in disguise. Um, I definitely had a lot of moments like that where I, um, you know, would go to like a voice competition and just get ripped apart, like totally ripped apart. And, and I thought like I was going to be performing. I thought that was going to be my main, my main source of income. And, you know, the way that my life worked out, there's a lot of other crazy things that happened that pointed me to my path. But I think sometimes the rejection, you know, really, really points you to where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. And, and again, like I say this over and over, but your twenties are a time to figure that out. Yes. And I don't think that anyone goes to college. Okay. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say anyone because I went to college knowing what I wanted to do. But even that, like I got the degree that I wanted. I never changed with what degree I was going to get, but I changed in what career path I was going to follow. And I think when you're 18 or whatever age you are, when you go to college, you know, that is so hard to say, I want to do this and I'm going to get this degree and go off and do this and work for this company. I think it's rare that someone says that or thinks that and then goes and does that. I think that's rare. So yeah, it's more, yeah. I think it's more common than not for someone to change their path, change their, what they want or realize that it's not for them, even if it's something they want. So my question too, are you still doing music at all? Um, no, sadly, not really. Like when I went to, when I did um, go to Kent to do journalism, there was a musical society in like, so we had two campuses on the other campus, but I think I just needed a break from it. The auditioning process was so intense. It was really starting to turn something that also, I think you, you come to a point too with say like your passions or, or your like extracurriculars in life. And some of them are going to become, you know, full-time jobs if you're lucky, but then some of them should just stay as, as passions on the side. And that was kind of the situation. It was like, I really love this, but the minute it started to become into, you know, intense competition, talking about it all the time, scrutinizing everything about it, you know, and I, I did like voice competitions as well. Like you like, it grow, growing up and for school and like all of my music exams were based around performing but it was just different in this sense it was so overly competitive and it was so it sucked the enjoyment out of it for me um, and it wasn't just because of the rejection it was because of the just the environment I guess in it um, so for a while you know I, I wasn't enjoying it and I just didn't I didn't want to go back there I didn't want to revisit that sounding I'm making it sound like I had some kind of trauma I didn't but like I just you know it wasn't something that I wanted to do anymore um so yeah I haven't really gone back to it since then which is pretty sad you know I've thought about getting back into singing a lot but I guess maybe I just haven't found the right medium to do that yet as an adult you know at school it's so easy to just pick up whatever and you go to singing classes and you do this whatever but when you're an adult you really have to work at doing your extracurriculars again because it's not it doesn't just come naturally easily to just go to all of these different things. You really have to force yourself to make time to do the things that you love in your spare time. Um, so hopefully I will get back into it at some point, but I haven't since then, no. Yeah, well, I, I get that. It definitely is hard to find the time. And when you've got a full-time job, it's impossible. But 
as long as you love what you're doing, I, and you're happy, you know, that that's what I say. Like, if you love what you're doing and you're passionate about your career path, then it doesn't really matter. Like as long as you got to where you need to be, at least for now, I mean, maybe that could change in the future. And maybe you'll be able to get back into singing, even just as like a fun, a fun thing to do. But as long as you're happy now, like I say, Hey, good for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, you know, like the other thing where you were, you were touching on there, like the rejection and stuff, like I have such thick skin now, I think, you know, from the from the whole experience and from from going through those kind of things like you know if anyone ever comments on anything that I do or anything creative that I'm doing okay sometimes it, it might it might affect you it like you know you can't say all the time it's not going to affect you but I think that from being you know standing in front of directors and choreographers from the west end in in a leotard having just danced around like an elephant in front of them <laughs> nothing that anyone can say now will ever be as humiliating as that moment. So, <laughs> you know, I think I've <laughs> gone through the worst of it, hopefully. And um, yeah, like it just, it teaches you things and, and brings you, it steers you in the direction that you were always going to go in, but you just had to take a few detours to get there, I think. Um, and that's what's so interesting about, I guess, trying to turn your passions into, into careers is that, it's, it's a way more difficult road than just picking something normal, but it's more normal, you know, that's a very subjective term, but um, it, it's way more rewarding when you do find exactly what you love and you're able to make it into your day to day. And it teaches you so much if it doesn't work out and you fall flat on your face, which I did um, the first time around. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. You're just giving so many great tips and lessons and, and I love all of this because it's just so relatable to me. And I know to a lot of my listeners, it will be as well. So, so thank you so much for all of your words of wisdom and, <laughs> and stories and for coming on my podcast. Honestly, I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours and I hope my listeners will go check it out. It's again, it's called what it's like with loose and, and thank you again so much, Lucy. It's been great having you. No problem at all. Thanks so much again for, for having me on and listening to me ramble for a little bit. Um, and yeah, for all of your continued support on my podcast, I really appreciate it. And it does mean so much. So thank you so much, Emily. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, I'll see all of my listeners or I won't see you, but uh, <laughs> tune in next Monday for the next episode.